What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Meet Kevin Report, a style of news reporting where we only talk about news that either makes you money or prevents you from losing money. And here's the outline for you. First, we'll talk about Asians fleeing America. Then we'll talk about Kevin O'Leary convincing me not to invest here. Rent versus buy will be right after that when I slam some noobs on Reddit. Then we'll react to stupid homeowner mistakes. And then, of course, we'll end by straightening out a Graham Stephan loyalist. First up on the docket today is why the heck are Asians selling out of their real estate in the United States? And particularly, why are they going back to China? This has flooded my Instagram inbox with messages from you folks, which remember, you're always welcome to message me there at Meet Kevin, with a lot of you worried about, wait a minute, what, what does this mean? Does this mean the market's gonna crash? Or, you know, do, do Asians somehow have this, you know, statistical premonition that, oh, they see it, they see it see it, the market's gonna crash, let's get out of the United States. And now there are a lot of people like, oh, well, if, if CNBC is running articles going, you know, uh, investments by Asians plunge 36%, now all of a sudden you get this concern. It's like, whoa, maybe I shouldn't buy either. So let's do this. Let's break apart what's really happening here. Let's boil it down to the simplest form of what the heck is going on in this world. And hopefully that will lead us to a conclusion that is going to be good for our money. So here's what happened. In 2016, China said to its people, be free, go invest your money wherever you want. So what did really rich people in China do? Well, they spent money in the United States and they bought fancy real estate for prestige, but also they bought in areas like New York City and Los Angeles because there was this belief that, oh, come on, in the long run, are prices really going to go down in LA and New York City? But see, this creates a problem. For you to be able to buy stuff in a country, guess what you gotta do? You gotta have that country's money. So if you wanna buy real estate in the United States, you need dollars. So what do you do? You go to the Bank of China or whatever you got in China and you go, here is my renminbi or the Chinese currency, also pronounced, <laughs> let me try not to butcher it here, yuan is somewhat similar to how you're supposed to pronounce it. So let's just say renminbi because that sounds a lot easier and I might still be butchering both of these, okay? Or just say the Chinese currency, <laughs> it's even easier. So now you're at the bank in China and you're like, here, please take my Chinese currency and give me dollars. And then you take those dollars and instead of spending it on goods and services like realtors and contractors and builders in China, you go spend that in America, which is good for the American economy but bad for the Chinese economy. First of all, anytime you sell something, the price usually goes down. And notice when you're trading in money, you're actually selling the local currency. So you're weakening the currency and you're creating less jobs in China. So then a year later, guess what China does? Everybody come back, Trump is in America, we got a trade war, this is hurting us, this is hurting our economy, please come back, otherwise we'll tax you, or we'll penalize you, or we'll incentivize you, or whatever strings the governments want to pull to get you to come back. And so what are people doing? People are selling their real estate in America and bringing it back on over to China. So in other words, this CNBC article, old news. Instead, you ready for it? Okay, plot twist. United States institutions like BlackRock are now dumping money into China. <laughs> what a crazy world we live in. Well, so now what does this mean to you as somebody that wants to make money in the United States or wherever it is that you are? Well, the bottom line is you should still be following the same principles that I literally reiterate 
on this channel, in my real estate investing course, in my real estate investing private live streams, and in my real estate investing crash courses in person events, which if you don't know about any of these, check the link down below. <laughs> my voice is getting sore from saying that all the time. I recommend you invest locally because guess what happens? When somebody comes to you and says, hey, Kevin, would you want to buy a house in neighborhood A, B, C, or D? You go, well, if I'm going to buy a neighborhood D, I'm going to have to go collect the rents with a gun and I don't own a gun. So I'm going to cross that one off the list. Thank you, but no thank you. Unfortunately, when you invest more than 30 minutes away, it's very hard to know this or know that this C neighborhood is turning into a D or to know that this C is actually turning into an A. This is where you make money in real estate. This is how you identify wedge deals. I have an entire course on this. It's literally like 350 lectures long because obviously it's not that simple, but it is simple when you know it. Now stay tuned. We got a few more fun things coming for you. We're going to be talking about Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. We're going to be talking about Graham Stephan and we got a few other things. So stay tuned and let's keep chugging along. First things first, Kevin O'Leary. So in yesterday's Meet Kevin report, I got really excited about the idea of possibly investing in Chase Bank. I also am a fan of of their CEO, Jamie Dimon. However, and unfortunately, while going through their filings with the SEC, I also stumbled upon a Kevin O'Leary video on why he doesn't invest in bank stocks. And ordinarily, I'm very jaded and critical of perspectives that I hear. And I always try to think, okay, why would somebody say one thing rather than another? And I watched this particular video where Kevin O'Leary says, you know what? These banks are being over-regulated and it makes it almost impossible for them to be nimble and responsive to the market to increase profits. Since Dodd-Frank took the knife to this sector and did the lobotomy to it, and carved it to pieces, it has not been anything more than a financial utility servicing an economy, it, and it was different before that. He overregulated it. I will never change my mind about that. And that hit me in a very special spot. See, about two months ago, I was in Santa Barbara and I walked into the Chase Private Client branch and I sat down with one of the private client mortgage loan originators and said, I would like your pricing for $2.5 million of real estate loans. We started talking about portfolios and options and this and that, blah, 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 blah. And guess what they mentioned once I started talking more about my situation? They said, oh, sorry, Kevin, we can't lend to you. And I'm like, what the f***? <laughs> like, what? Oh, what do you mean you can't lend to me? <laughs> Which sounds a little bit cavalier, but it's like, seriously, like I have all my accounts with Chase. I have like every credit card you guys have ever issued. I've got credit lines with y'all. What do you mean you can't give me a mortgage? And they go, Here's the thing, that fancy Dodd-Frank law that now regulates the banks a lot stricter does not let Chase lend to people like you that have more than five mortgages existing. And I'm like, what? Every lender I know lends to people that have five mortgages or more. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And they looked at me and said, yeah, we know. This sucks. We lose a lot of business because of this. And now, when I connected those dots, I realized there again is why investing in what you know is so important. Because if you're not a customer of the brand, or if you're not local to real estate, you're not a customer of the community, you don't know the nuances of the business. Knowing now that JP Morgan actually has less flexibility and they're more tethered in a place where I think it actually matters most 
in the consumer mortgage division. Think about how many investors they miss out on because of these rules. To me, that's bad. And that's why I always say invest in what you're familiar with, or if you're not familiar with it, become familiar with it. In other news, I came across this post on Reddit and I see this pretty regularly where people post these things like, hey, I'm not sure, should I buy a house or should I rent a house? What should I do? I'm looking at all the calculators and you know, we're only gonna be living there for three to four years. Is it going to be worth it? And I'll tell you, only 1% of people in the comments acting as professionals giving advice actually have the balls or brains to say, hey, well, what says you have to sell? Would you consider renting out the property? Just opening that door completely changes almost all buy-verse rent calculations. Why? Because in my opinion, what I love about real estate, especially residential real estate, whether it's a duplex, triplex, or a single family, a fourplex, doesn't matter, is that you can buy real estate with homeowner-occupied loans, which are cheaper loans, 30-year fixed-rate financing. You can move into it for three to four years. You can understand the house, get to know the insides, the outs. You can do some handyman work yourself if you want, surround yourself with good property managers and contractors, and then guess what happens? When you wanna pack your bags and move, even though the industry likes to tell you, oh, a house ties you down, you're stuck to that 30-year mortgage, and I look at it as, wait a minute, I'm more flexible than anybody else because I could get a home equity line of credit, have access to any of the equity that I want in that house up to 90% if I want, not saying you want to over leverage. I could pack my bags, I can move, and guess what I get to do? I get to go buy another place again. This is how people build wealth using 30-year fixed rate loans, which are, in my opinion, are relatively safe. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to enter but maybe 1% of people's minds when they do these buy-verse rent calculations. Everybody's always like, oh, the selling costs, and then the buyer's gonna ask for repairs, and then this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen. Well, let me be the one realtor on the planet to tell you, maybe you don't have to sell. Moving on, here's an article that says 40% of Americans would have trouble coming up with $400 in case of an emergency. And the number one reason they give for that is people have too much debt, student debt, credit card debt, all that good stuff. And this might be true, but let's just zoom into the picture that they chose to define this article and actually try to figure out what the problem is. Let's zoom in. What do we have here? We have a dude in a dress shirt pretending to be painting with his wife or girlfriend or whatever this lady is in a sweater or jacket. First of all, who paints wearing a jacket? And second of all, who paints in a dress shirt? And then third of all, who uses frog tape on chair rails? And why are there even chair rails in the first place? This is all an extreme waste of money. And to me, that's the problem. The picture itself, even though it may have just been chosen as a stock photo, to me is the bigger problem. People aren't necessarily aware of how to save money when you're renovating real estate and how not to spend money. And so I have a few rules. When you go into real estate, always surround, I teach this all the time in the real estate investing course. It's just one of the many things I teach. Always surround yourself with professionals because professionals realize when you're using a roller and a paintbrush, you could use a steady hand and do what's known as cutting around this chair rail. The realtor will tell you, you don't even need the chair rail. 
the noob puts in a chair rail. The pro doesn't put in a chair rail anymore. I also usually don't see pros using really expensive frog tape because they're trying to get like this perfect seal. Maybe if you're trying to make a really straight line somewhere, but for this chair rail, I could do that with a pretty steady hand and a wet edged brush without messing up. Look, in all seriousness, I just want you to know there are expensive ways to go through life that can keep you poor, and then there are efficient ways to go through life. And once you believe that you can surround yourself with people that have that knowledge, all of a sudden you'll get a lot further in life because, wow, people can give you really good advice. Now on to Graham Stefan. We have a comment that came in from Michael here who says money that you are planning on using in the short to medium term should be parked in a high yield savings account, not an ETF. Someone here clearly doesn't watch Graham Stefan. So first of all, I consider Graham Stefan a great friend. We've done some great videos together and I look forward to doing more together in the future. But as far as this, I think it's very important to define what short to medium term is. Obviously, if you are in escrow on a house, you should have your money in savings ready for your down payment. That's obvious. The problem is people get into this very bad habit of, well, I'm gonna buy a house in five years. I'll just leave my money sitting in a savings account. I think that's stupid. And so I would say for anything longer than one year out, that is, I'm gonna buy a house next year, you should automatically be transferring your money into an index fund or some kind of index fund of index funds, like what Wealthfront offers or Vanguard or whatever. Pick some kind of diversified portfolio. I don't really care what you do. But me personally, I am a big fan of the psychology of investing. And I think that when you continuously put your money into a savings account, it's not sexy, it's not fun enough. I'd rather see you put your money into something moderately more sexy. And I mean, this is sad because we're talking about index funds. You know, if we really wanted to get like kinky here, we'd be talking about like throwing it all hard onto Tesla stock or Apple, you know, and shorting Best Buy or some crazy stuff like that. I would rather see you get excited about investing in the market, be exposed to the market, feel the ups and downs that happen in the marketplace, which hopefully will motivate you to save more money and invest more money, growing your portfolio faster than it would otherwise grow in your savings account not only because ideally you're getting a higher rate of return, but you're also getting the psychological benefit of, I've got money in the market. I wanna keep putting money in the market. This is fun. You get excited about investing. You create a lifestyle of investing. To me, combining higher returns and psychology means you'll probably have a bigger pool in the future to pull from when it's actually time for you to pull the trigger on real estate. Unfortunately, the problem is too many people spend too much time leaving their money in savings. Like, oh, I don't know, we're gonna buy a house in three to five years. That's kind of medium term. We don't wanna put it in the market because we wanna have that money for our down payment. And they're missing out on massive returns. And so folks, there you have another Meet Kevin report, hoping to help you not only be educated on what's happening in the news, but what is happening with your money. Please feel free to send me a message on Instagram if you have any leads, questions, or ideas. As always, you can leave a comment below, and until next time.